Hello, welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, we have Zach Conway, co-founder and CEO of Seeds. Seeds is a platform that allows advisors to better assess investors and personalize their portfolios in order to create a better engagement with them. And with that, here's my interview with Zach Conway. Zach, thanks for taking the time today. Great to be here. So Zach Conway of Seeds, tell us about Seeds. So Seeds is about trying to introduce investing as an experience to my fellow advisors across the industry. So you said it in the intro about experience we think really starts with a deeper understanding of who you're dealing with as an investor. And we do that in all other parts of the business across financial planning and our discovery process. And so let's bring that to life when it comes to our investing process in the context of that broader financial plan. So if we can deeply understand somebody beyond sort of the typical metrics that we capture in KYC, behaviors, interests, what's most important to them, then I think we can shape a portfolio. So what you actually own around that understanding, but arguably more importantly, how as an advisor, we talk to that person. So everything, again, when we talk about experience is shaped around that deep understanding. So the idea is really just to apply that around investing to convert what is traditionally sort of a, a mechanical process when it comes to investing with an advisor that can feel transactional and make it more meaningful, make it more engaging, turn it into an experience. So that's the goal. Excellent. So we're going to dive into that in a sec, but let's talk about the history of Seeds and how it came to be. What was the origin story? So I started as an advisor. And when I joined the business, it was, it was apparent to me early on, and I've said this before, that I wasn't necessarily going to be uh, passionate about financial planning. I wasn't super excited to come do sort of planning in the academic sense. But was, what was exciting was the client engagement and the trying to build a business that made us look like heroes as advisors, made our customers really deeply value the, the relationship with us. And so, again, that buzzword of experience that we sort of throw around in the industry, what does that actually mean? And I touched on it a moment ago. It ultimately starts with a deep understanding of your client. If you can ask the right questions, understand who they are, what's most important to them, then you can really shape how you deliver services, traditional planning, everything we do around that deep understanding. And that's ultimately what I think can create a great experience. Of course, we want it to be digital, we want it to be slick, we want it to look great, but it's ultimately about how you understand who that person is and what's most important to them. And what I noticed early on in our business was that we were doing that around everything we provide as it relates to traditional financial planning. So in our discovery meeting, we're going deep, right? It's not just what's on the balance sheet. It's who are you? What legacy are you trying to create? What are your relationships? What is the quality of those relationships? All the way down to how you take your coffee. And then again, our services and how we deliver them and talk to you are just the result of that understanding. But the disconnect that I noticed was the investment component, the money management piece of what we do in our services was sort of ironically void of that process. I wasn't asking you anything beyond what your risk tolerance is. And then I was selling you on why we had a certain investment management approach. So when it comes to financial planning, I'm not saying to somebody, hey, we really like Roth conversions as a business. So we want to sell and explain to you why we're going to do that for you and every client. No, it was just we asked them a bunch of questions, understood their situation, and that was just sort of an output of that understanding. So again, applying that to investment management. 
if I can really just understand who you are specifically as an investor beyond a risk tolerance input, then like what I'm doing across all my other services, I can shape the experience. I can tailor the output. So specifically the portfolio itself, but also, as I said, that engagement around that understanding. So that disconnect we noticed uh, in the business around investing is really what was sort of the impetus to what is ultimately now our company. Excellent. So let's dive into that exact experience and start off from the client perspective. So client engages a advisor utilizing your platform. What is the initial point? Like you said, you go deep on this. So what does that experience look like? Yeah, and, and sort of juxtaposing what I think is, is typical across the industry today, where it may be a presentation about money management, or at least an explanation of what your sort of home office thesis is on how you build portfolios. And that could be really complex. And here's how we build stock portfolios and how we think about the tech sector this quarter and really extreme on that spectrum. But even in this more simple approaches of passive investing, we use index funds, that's still sort of explaining a, a money management thesis. And so we're simply saying, don't do any of that. <laughs> don't have that moment of explaining money management and sort of presenting your point of view on how money should be managed. Simply take them through a digital assessment experience that really unpacks them and how they think in a three-dimensional way. So specifically, we still focus on risk, but we focus on risk target as sort of an amalgam of tolerance, capacity, and need. But that's one dimension, right? That's one input that will help shape, obviously, the asset allocation. But beyond that, what's the investor mindset? So all the behavioral traits of what's in somebody's head about what investing is actually about. What is this process when you hand your money to this supposedly really smart financial advisor and they put it into capital markets? What's in your head about what that means? What do you want to see happening with your money? Do you care about things like values alignment? The fact that it's not a table stakes component of how we understand an investor is bizarre, right? We can invest people's money into capital markets. That means you own companies as a shareholder without understanding if you have a moral or ethical opposition to that. That's uh -huh. wild, right? That's sort of a, a strange paradigm when we step back and think about it in that context. So I want to know how you think about that. And maybe you don't care, and that's fine. But I, as table stakes, need to know and ask in that experience. I want to know how analytical you are. Are you really, really in the weeds and care about how the portfolio is being built? or not at all? Or where are you on that spectrum? I want to know things like how interested you are in emerging investment trends. Are you calling your advisor asking about AI, or not at all? Or where on that spectrum? So all these behavioral characteristics that should inform what somebody owns in their portfolio, and again, how I talk to them throughout the whole investing life cycle. And then the last piece is then drilling down on exactly what they care about, both from a values and themes perspective. So if values alignment is important, how so? If thematic interests are important, which ones? And so with that digital assessment experience, I haven't sold you on any investment management story, how I view the markets, putting up slides. I've just asked you really good questions about what investing means to you. And therefore, I can capture that investor persona. I can present that persona back on the screen. 
have that emotional moment of conveying my deep understanding of who they are and how they think. And then in the same experience, I can tie that outcome to a custom portfolio. So we as a platform are then driving that portfolio construction to map to all the things that that advisor has just captured. We do side-by-side analysis of a current portfolio, oftentimes with an advisor who hasn't asked these questions before. And so the advisor using our system can really show that, uh, that dichotomy. And then we support implementation. So we run the actual investment management process from beginning to end. So we go into the account, we buy that custom portfolio, we operationalize it. And then we, again, provide that last pillar of engagement within the same platform. So when you walk into your portfolio review meeting, or I should say your review meeting, what are you talking about as it relates to the money invested in the markets? Some people don't need the itemized performance report. (laughs) Some people don't need the detailed portfolio analytics. Some do. Some people want to see certain things about as it relates to what they own. Some care less about that. What is the most resonant visual and verbal script that an advisor can have as they engage that persona that you captured on day one when they walked in your door through the assessment process? So that's the platform, really that end-to-end investing life cycle. As you said at the beginning, deeply assess, create that portfolio output that aligns, and then continue to drive that custom engagement moving forward. Excellent. So that's a lot to unpack there. But effectively, what you're essentially saying is that, hey, we are doing a very values and goals-based discovery to dive deeper into what it is that's going to basically keep you engaged with your investments or what's going to basically bring you closer to what they are. And then doing everything downstream from the recommendations to the implementation to the reporting effectively. That's it. I always sort of say it's like getting the answers to the test on the first day that you talk to this prospective client. And so all the things that as advisors, you you sort of are frustrated with yourself when you learn about the client three months into the relationship about how they think about investing. And man, I really wish I asked them about that and how they think and did this sort of personality profiling on day one. I wish I understood that this person deeply cares about values alignment as an example before I put them in a portfolio that's literally disconnected from that understanding. Jason, you asked about the sort of origin story. There there is one specific moment I always call out where we as in the traditional process I was touching on, especially as we started in our business engaging next-gen investors, so the kids of our existing book of business at the time, taking them through the traditional process of, here's how we manage money, let me get your risk tolerance inputs, Let me swivel my chair to go behind my curtain and build my special portfolio for you that has a bunch of third-party product in it. Put it in a different proposal format, send you the proposal and force you to ask a bunch of questions about that proposal. One of early on, as we engaged Next Generation several years ago, I got an email from from someone, a 30-ish year old investor who we had taken through that typical process. And it was a, no way am I giving you my money to manage. You, you literally don't understand that all these things you're putting in this proposal that I've never heard of, yeah. there's a lot of things that I would actually never morally want to put my money in. So again, that table stakes understanding as it relates to values, but also everything else. That was just sort of the wake up call moment. We didn't ask her. We just told her a bunch of stuff. And, and tried to talk about how smart we were as money managers, and and people don't care. 
They want to feel heard and understood. So that, uh, again, was sort of one of those wake up call moments. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the common propensity of the industry to think that, okay, people are coming to me from my expertise. So therefore, like, I have to tell them what to do. And too often that leads to simply just not listening or concerning yourself with the fact that we're there to serve them. They're not here to buy our widget because we have the best widget. Like it's, it's, it's a bizarre, we talk a big game in general in marketing, right? Every institution does about customization, listening and all this other stuff. But then the experience is so broken. It goes to the individual because the advisor's there because I'm, I'm the guru to be listened to. And it's at the end of the day, we think we need to, people need to pull away from the old numerical belief that optimization of the client is getting the highest return. It's no, it's meeting multiple forms of utility. And that can be that those are planning goals-based as well as values-based. And you need to basically kind of check all those boxes effectively to the degree that you can, because sometimes you just can't to get them as close to satisfied and personalized as possible. That's it. And, and again, it's maybe this is oversimplifying it, but it just comes down to, are you not selling your widget, right? What you just said, here's why we do this this way, because we believe these things. And you can apply that again across. We don't do it as it relates to planning, right? My point from earlier, sort of that irony of we've gotten it right, typically when it comes to financial planning, we're just asking the right questions. We're not saying, we do trust structures this way because we believe this and this and this. It's, no, we just ask you about your situation and do the discovery process and listen, convey that understanding and then shape the plan around that understanding. And the investment component of our services is for some bizarre reason disconnected from that thinking. There was a Bloomberg article. I did a LinkedIn post recently about a Bloomberg headline that said, with banks offering 5% returns, Financial advisors are fighting irrelevance. And think about uh, there's an irrelevance <laughs> article like literally every week. Oh no, ETFs again. Again, yeah. Sorry, I, I sorry to cut you off and go on a diatribe. This is yeah. the common refrain from people who don't understand what it is that most financial advisors do, which is not just sell investments. It is a antiquated notion, but continue. Well, and th so that's exactly it. But think about so we're whatever it is, 50, 60 years into the industry. And this far in, so it's still nascent in the context of other industries, but this far in, to your point, that's still how people perceive our value. It's yeah. literally about, can this advisor get me better returns than the next advisor? And our point is, we have created that problem for ourselves. We have I'll done also it blame to Hollywood ourselves. For that. I'll also blame Hollywood for that. That's, like, that's, the, you know, that's part of it. We create that problem for ourselves and the way we present yes. ourselves. But also media reinforces that because that's what's exciting. Oh, it's it's the sexier, easier sell, yeah. right? My dad started in the industry in 1984 as a financial planning focused firm, right? It didn't really exist yet. They were ahead of their time, big growing firm, and it was financial planning first as Wolf of Wall Street, greed is good, stockbroker world still existed. And in that context, back in 1984, you still, the easier way to gain a client who has no idea what this whole value proposition of financial planning is all about is to say, we can get you better performance. And we just haven't removed that from our DNA. And so yes, and then Hollywood reinforces that paradigm and around and around we go. And so when it comes to investing, even in a firm that really talks about experience, deeper value, holistic planning, I talk to advisors every day. He's still, we're still doing it to ourselves a little bit or a lot, right? It's on a spectrum with every firm, but ultimately that, that more emotional 
investment story, fear and greed. It's easier. It's a more emotional uh, selling point. So yeah, that's the struggle. And that's what we're trying to help fix. Well, it's also what we train people for. I mean, I just heard Megan Lertz speak at a conference where she's talked about how talking to advisors, they say, well, you know, I try to talk about, I want to talk about these things, but my clients, when they come in, all they talk about is investments. And her response is like, well, what do you talk about when they come in? The answer is investments. It's like, well, guess what you train them to do, right? Like it's, you know, as someone who's, as in my day job as a planner, basically been very focused on, on basically goals and goals, deliveries and actualization. So little of my conversations are based around investments. So frankly, like, it's just a matter of getting clients used to it. It's a training exercise and you have to repeat it over and over. And it's a balancing act to your point, because even if we were doing it right and Hollywood wasn't reinforcing the wrong stuff, it is just an emotional fear built into our psychology that inherently with investing, you're seeking a good or higher return. And so we have to appease that to some extent and address it and have the conversation, but it's a slippery slope. Mm -hmm. So again, trying to remove the sales conversation altogether, right? When people walk in your office, you're not putting up slides about how you built models or your portfolio construction, but arguably most of the industry still is. And as I go to, Jason, I saw you at an industry conference. And at that conference, I think I talked to 60 advisors back to back in meetings Everybody intuitively knows this. Everybody agrees that we're doing this to ourselves. We're telling this money management story and then it bites us when the S&P goes down. Mm -hmm. And so we know it intuitively. And now we think we're just sort of at the precipice of the correction. How do we cross the industry again? We make investing an experience and not a sales process. That's, again, what we're trying to do. And, you know, I think a big part of it is basically... It's funny because what you've done with the values discovery is you've done it in the context of investing. But the reality is, is that you're you're simultaneously helping shift the focus off the investing, right? Because you're you're making it about, again, if it's in service of goals, if it's in service of values, right? As I say to clients who basically get involved in, in social responsible investing, we get into the question of like, is this going to underperform or outperform? And my general belief is we don't have enough data. But also, like, if everything's equilibrium, if you make cost of capital cheaper for one group and more expensive for the other, then that's going to eventually equal itself out. But my response is, like, does it matter, right? Like, at the end of the day, if you live the life you want to live and, and basically invest your money with it along with your values and you get the return that's necessary, whether it's better or worse than the S&P by 1%, whatever else it is, as long as you hit your goals, does that really matter, right? And it's such a way to take the conversation away from relative returns because, frankly, that's a game no one can win in the long run. So, it, it, but but you're, what you're doing is, despite the fact this is an investment centric conversation, like, like investment centric one platform, you just the nature of how you basically wrap investments around this is actually shifting the focus away from this. So it's kind of a sneaky little tactic you've done there. That is right. <laughs> that that is the psychological idea. Yeah. Right. Because and again, I I'll go back to pointing out the irony of we're doing it in the context of all of our other services. I know what legacy you're trying to create as a family and we're building an estate plan and a charitable plan around that goal. Why is that not part of the conversation and now your money's being invested in capital markets? It is bizarre. So the more it can be shaped in the way we're already doing it across holistic planning, it is then the focus is not on the product. It's not on that relative return conversation as much right? Or, or really trying to move the needle in a meaningful way. But that's it. It's not just 
how am I going to get a higher return? It's goals, your needs, table stakes. You need an asset allocation that's going to drive to those outcomes, which is why I still need to capture that data. But in the same conversation, I want to know these other qualitative interests, behaviors, values, interests. That's then the focus. The conversation is conveying not I'm smarter at picking stocks because that was commoditized on day one. And yet again, we're still we're still telling some yep. version of that story. It's I better understand you. I'm the therapist, which is where all our deep value lies to begin with, that has a higher EQ and better understands you and is shaping your portfolio and our conversations around that. So it is, it's a magic trick, but it's, but it's also real, right? You have that conversation, it changes uh, the relationship pretty meaningfully. Absolutely. So we, we spent a lot of time on the front end of this and the benefit of that, of it all. Let's talk about the actual implementation. So how are you implementing these portfolios? So we are creating basically our rules-based approach to creating an investable universe and then the actual curated portfolio underneath is all happening on the back end of our platform. So we take our asset class exposures, map them to what the client arguably should be mapped to based on that assessment experience, and then all the underlying actual securities in that asset allocation also based on those inputs. But go figure, we're not telling an alpha story, right? We're not doing stock selection in a way that's about trying to beat the S&P or any of the sub-asset classes across equities. It's about creating an asset allocation that ties to the relative benchmarks, but does so in, in a way that reflects all the inputs you've captured on the front end. We're then operationalizing it. So when the client says, yes, of course, I want to open an account because you understand me so deeply and my portfolio conveys that understanding, the advisor processes that through our platform and we go buy the positions, trade the portfolio, tax loss harvest, automated rebalancing. So you're familiar with the term sub-advisor, technically yep. on the back end on the account, we are the sub-advisor running that process. So the point of that too is, as an extension of what we're hitting on, if, if your core value isn't the way you've put a model together and what third-party ETFs you've thrown into the model, then why are you having the burden of the operational cost to maintain that model or whatever your investment output is? So that's part of our discussion with advisors. Because that's not the value, you're changing the paradigm on the front end. Let us offload the operational burden too. So you can go build relationships, prospect, do financial planning. So that's, uh, yeah, so we do that work for the advisor. Excellent. So let's talk about the reporting side then. Talk about how you're enabling uh, kind of the follow-up on the investment side with everything you've done before. Yeah, so if we have a three-dimensional picture of the investor, what's the three-dimensional or most resonant story I can tell, again, when I walk into that review meeting or really at proposal phase, so the whole life cycle. When I present the portfolio for the first time, how am I talking about it? And then when, I, when they become a client and I walk into a review meeting, what am I showing and telling them about the portfolio? So things like if they're interested in values alignment to, to the degree that that's more significantly important to them, then the story is more shaped around that as opposed to every review meeting, you throw up a performance report and talk about what the S&P 500 did last quarter. And that client, had you otherwise not asked the question, is rolling their eyes at you because they, they're totally disinterested. It doesn't mean anything to them. 
So is it more of a values alignment story or is it more of a risk exposure story? What do you own? How are we aligned with goals? What has happened in the portfolio? So if something's come out, been replaced, companies that you're specifically interested in have been added, it's really, again, that curated messaging based on that persona. So it may not lean into performance, or maybe it needs to, again, based on the profile, it may lean into the values alignment story or less so, depending on the persona. The more may lean into those thematic emerging investing trend exposures because it's that's really interesting to that, you know, 35-year-old client, or maybe less so. So that's again another buzzword that gets thrown around AI. Mm-hmm. AI ultimately is store is shaping storytelling in an efficient way, right? Here's a way I can tell that more connected story to that person. And back in our business, and I think this is generally true across the industry, it's a one-size-fits-all story. It's either performance-focused or it's a, we don't talk about performance, you're reaching your goals, we're good, don't want to talk about it. (laughs) So what are the in-betweens that, again, are shaped around that persona? Excellent. So talk to me about the response you get from advisors who come on your platform. How are they saying it's impacted their overall experience and their client experience? Well, so we think about the results sort of across the life cycle. And so at the front end, in terms of new engagement, we'll keep hitting on buzzwords, growth. Everybody talks about sustainable, organic growth. Everything's a growth engine. Here's how we're going to help you grow. The reality is it's not ultimately the tech, it's how you apply the tech or what the tech empowers you to do. And our argument is, like my example with the younger client's who were the kids of the existing clients in our own book of business, the traditional process that we've unpacked today wasn't doing it. They weren't becoming our clients if we took them through that investing process. So what we're seeing is as we empower advisors to engage next gen within the existing book of business and outside of the existing book of business, they're winning business, right? It's it's creating an investing experience that resonates in a much deeper way than the traditional process as it relates to money management. Part of the reason there is that that generation has grown up with the robo platforms that are engaging in a digital way when it comes to investing. And so they're looking for a human advisor at a certain inflection point of wealth, but they need that more engaging and you know that conversation as an uh, advisor understands them. Then throughout the rest of the life cycle, so with current clients, once they're onboarded onto the platform, we have advisors and we're really working on quantifying this, but sharing with us how much those review meetings have shifted, right? Even for clients that have been so focused on getting into a review meeting and expecting a conversation around a performance report, they've been able to transition that conversation, get more referrals as a result of shifting it. Anecdotally, we hear all the time, I'm going to go introduce you to someone because I know that they'll appreciate being taken through this process as opposed to you talking about how you manage the money. So again, throughout the life cycle, we're really seeing those pretty exciting results as as advisors start to engage. Yeah, I also think it's funny. I think that the next generation, it's not just the robo platforms. It's they came up in a, or they started basically investing in a world where people weren't called stockbrokers or investment executives or anything of the sort, right? They were called advisors and planners. Those words mean something. And they've heard the sales pitch that too often the industry has failed to deliver on and that planning for goals and all this. stuff. So they've basically grown up on the on some of the marketing of the right stuff. And then there's a real disconnect when they basically go meet, to, meet with an advisor 
and they're getting sold a product on the first meeting, right? So again, own goals in the industry. It's that literally, I think we've actually started doing, especially in the US more than other places, a good job of getting people to understand what advice and what planning is to a very to the early innings of this. But a lot of advisors just haven't woken up to the fact that that's true and shoot themselves in the foot every time they're in front of these people because they're still they're still thinking that they're pitching to the previous generation whose understanding was different. Yeah, here's how I have access to alternatives that other people don't have access to. Oh, which the exclusivity not, argument. <laughs> you know, so it's the exclusivity oh. pitch, it's the better money management pitch, it's whatever it is. And again, the disconnect is they've gotten the commodity, they've experienced the commoditization of money management. They've done it themselves already. So they know that they need the therapist. They need the person to take that, take their finger, their thumb off the sell button on the Robinhood account. They also need all the planning services to your point that they actually thankfully know is part of our value proposition. And yeah, we're then getting into those opportunities and sort of blowing it because it's a product sale. It's an investment management sale. We think that that's what they're attracted to. So how do we, seeds we really think of as the bridge, right? It's they expect a digital offering. They expect to feel heard and understood. They want it to be a meaningful experience. The advisors know that this is the only path to sustainable organic growth is talking to this demographic and all the demographics outside of their core book of current business. So how do you do it? You need to create that experience and not do the things everybody intuitively knows not to do. Well, that's 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 the difficult part. Is intuitively different. Is basically it's maybe intuitive, but fall old habits die hard, unfortunately. So three questions that we end the, uh, the podcast on. Then on a positive note, first one is: if you had one wish for something to change in your company, the industry as a whole, what would it be? I think it would be really making sure that when we go into firms and tell this story, we are doing even better at understanding what you just said about old habits die hard, right? We talk about polite disruption as a business where we need to fix this. And what gets me up every day is to go try to change this paradigm and and help advisors grow. I'm one of them. I am an advisor. This is about growing the industry. But I also, and we as a business to, to answer the question, need to walk into the door and really understand sort of tongue in cheek. It's like, Seeds is empowering advisors to deeply understand their end client to shape the experience. We're improving on how we do that when we walk into an an advisor's office or get on a Zoom call. How do you do it today? Why are you still putting up the slides? What does that mean to you? Why are you still running the models this way? What, What does that mean to you in your value proposition? And doing that deep discovery so that we can politely disrupt them into the future so that ultimately they can engage next gen and grow. Yep. Momentum is a powerful thing to get past, unfortunately. Yes. Second question I have for you is, what's been the biggest challenging in the platform to where it is today? Money management. The pipes of this industry are, trying to think of the ancient, polite, polite, disruptive way to say it. <laughs> yeah, ancient. We'll go with ancient. So because part of, again, we're trying to be this full life cycle experience and take these sort of squishy steps out of the process with with investment management and do it for the advisor, doing it for the advisor is complex. So what does it mean to be a sub-advisor, to be in in that client's account, to be able to get the data, transact in the account, report the data correctly back to the firm, the custodial pipes and how it all fits together is, uh, will likely remain, you know, some of our biggest challenges. But 
at this stage as a business, I will say we're pretty excited about how far we've been able to come with those ancient pipes. <laughs> so we're, we're uh, more to build there. We want to be even more efficient, more seamless to widen the pipes, if you will. But yeah, that, I'd say that's the biggest challenge. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You know, when you think about the fact that most industry still runs off COBOL, and we're talking that was something that was developed in conjunction with Grace Hopper in the early days of programming. <laughs> like, it is almost frightening to think of that, like that, that basically, no matter what we build, this foundation is something that's like 60 years old. Yeah, it's, it's weird, right? And we think of decentralization and all the sort of theoretical stuff. But I do think there's quite the gap between where we are and the aspirational future. And so, yeah, we're, we're excited as certain firms in the custodial space and elsewhere are helping to solve those problems. And so that's only going to empower us more to, to deliver what we deliver. They can pull it off and I hope they can, but uh, that's what it is. And then the last question I have for you is what excites you about what it is you're working on and keeps you getting up in the morning to fight the good fight? Yeah, it goes back to this paradox that we all intuitively understand and politely disrupting it and really sort of shepherding advisors in, in this direction, which of course is a selfish goal because it's, it's what we're delivering as a product solution, but, but it is truly what gets me up in the morning, right? That, that future where that end investor feels heard and understood and knows that their money is being allocated in a way that actually aligns with who they are and what's most important to them, and that the advisor gets the value benefit of doing that for that person, that's awesome. When I got that email from that client, when we were doing it the old way, I was devastated, right? It, it was such a terrible feeling to know, yeah, I just, I just talked at this person. I just told a story about money management, put a bunch of third-party products in a bucket and put it on a screen, and she didn't feel heard and understood. And so that future is exciting to me, where our value is not like that Bloomberg headline we talked about earlier. It's that everybody understands we're here to deeply understand people, shape investing, planning around that understanding, and sort of be the hero in people's financials, financial lives. Fantastic. Zach, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. So that was my interview with Zach Conway of Seeds. And if you're a US-based advisor looking to take your engagement to the next level, I suggest you take a look at Seeds. And with that, as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or whatever your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.